because when you use the bro- your brain the wrong way, you are very open to being controlled, if you like, by, by the directions of others. Let's face it, don't we all wish we had a manual for the secrets of the brain? If you're into biohacking and you're looking to develop a roadmap to utilizing your mind, you came to the right podcast. In this episode, our guest and I will be discussing the secrets of the brain. To keep up to date with our upcoming Matrix mentors, like, share, and subscribe to our show. Speaker, teacher, writer, and researcher, Liam Naden helps you understand the process for creating true success in your life by understanding how to use your brain the right way. He is the host of the podcast, Using Your Brain for Success, and creator of Neurostate Rebalancing, NSR, a process which automatically gets the four parts of your brain working the right way to bring you the life that you want. Liam is also an experienced marriage and relationships coach, and he is the host of Growing in Love for Life podcast. He is a podcaster and author of more than 20 books and creator of four relationship coaching programs. On our talk, Liam and I, your host Sam Aiko, We'll be discussing the secrets of the brain that we've never been taught. It's an honor to have you on the Organic Matrix. Where are you from, Liam? Hi, Sam. Well, uh, at the moment, I'm in Europe, although I'm originally I'm from New Zealand, so a bit of a globe trotter. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you travel often? I travel permanently. I actually live on a boat, so uh, I haven't lived in a in one place in more than a decade. That's incredible. How is it like living to a living on a boat compared to like living on land? Oh, it's great. Um, it's a, it, it has different challenges. You have to you have to be be prepared for um, making quick decisions and uncertainty because you might arrive at a place and you think, well, this isn't as good as I expected, or it's better than I expected, or maybe some of the weather conditions change, and you have to um, change your mind on where you go and how long you stay there. But that's all part of the fun. I love that. So it definitely keeps your mind sharp. Yeah, that's right, and it's a, uh, and it's and it's very much along the lines of um, what I've learned from it. There's a lot about what I teach, and and what I'm sure you your listeners would realise about the key to success in life is learning how to let go, learning how not to be so in control, and allow allow things to unfold, and allow your life, allow yourself to take one step at a time, really, rather than you know having this this big fear of the future. I love that, and that's a good practice for me and a lot of my friends because we we have hobbies of just sitting around trying to predict the future but i do see the the double consequence like the consequence to doing so you know that's being less present on the less present on the moment and it could stir up anxiety uh, what inspired you to live in the lifestyle that you're currently living um well, that's a good question. I, I'm not really sure. It just sort of happened, really. My partner and I decided um, that we, most of our work, all of our work pretty much is online. We didn't have to be anywhere. And what did we want to go and do? Well, we just started traveling. And for a while, it was in a, in a motor home back in New Zealand. And then um, it's developed into boating in, in Europe. So, yeah, it just feels like the right thing to do. So that's what happens. That's so inspiring. My mom, my parents used to dream of doing that after retirement. I love that. You're like being an example of stepping into exploration in all all levels of life. What inspired you to start studying brain health? Well, it was a bit of, it was a bit of um, 
bit of an interesting story in one way in that um, I've, I've been a student really or a, a person interested in everything to do with personal development or self-help and religion and spirituality and anything I could get my hands on about how to be the best that we can be, how to be quote-unquote successful, how to have a great and happy life. And I've studied all of these sorts of things throughout my life and I've been on seminars all around the world and I've read all sorts of books and done courses and done done techniques and in all sorts of different areas. But but what happened to me, and I became very successful as an entrepreneur as well, and I've had lots of different businesses. But in my mid-40s, I went from suddenly, almost overnight, going from being quote unquote again successful, having being a multimillionaire, having several homes and properties and businesses and all those sorts of things. And I lost it all. And I became homeless and lost, as I say, lost everything virtually overnight and ended up moving back in with my elderly mother and sleeping on the sofa in the living room of her small apartment. So at that point, I was very puzzled because one of the, well, one of the things I asked myself was, why has this happened to me? Because I've spent my life studying how to be in control of your life and how to create the results that you want. You know, through goal setting, I was a, an avid goal setter. I had it all mapped out what I wanted and what my goals were. I'd worked on my beliefs and, you know, using your mind the right way and positive thinking and using different techniques. But this wasn't on my goals list was to lose everything. And I, in fact, I really didn't feel in control of anything at the time. So I thought, with all my knowledge on what creates success, how could I have ended up in this situation? So what really happened after that was when I sort of got back on my feet, as it were, I noticed my life was going in quite a different way. It was because I was starting up my own businesses again, and I was starting to earn money and do a lot of things I really enjoyed doing, and again, quote unquote, successful. But there was a very big difference between my life after losing everything and getting going again, and my life before. And that, and the difference was probably the easy, easiest way to sum it up, whereas before I'd always been chasing after success. I'd always been trying to figure out how can I be more successful? What do I need to learn? What do I need to do? How can I make set bigger goals? What books do I need to read? What do I need to what what other risks do I need to take? What else, you know, do more, be more, have more, all that sort of stuff. And although it was a path to quote unquote success. It was filled with struggle. It was filled with stress and problems and you know things going wrong all the time. And I thought, well, maybe this is what, and I'd read this in a few books, this is what life's about. This is what success is. If you want to be successful, you have to overcome problems. You have to overcome adversity. You have to struggle. You have to deal with all of these, these issues. And it is stressful. It's stressful being successful. So I thought, well, maybe that's true. Maybe that's just what I have to accept. You know, this is the way life is. It is hard. It is difficult. It is. It has its bad times as well as good times. But after I lost everything and moved and rebuilt my life, I noticed that I was successful again. I was doing really well. But the thing that was missing was all the problems and stress. And instead of before, whereas I'd been chasing after success, it really felt in a strange sort of way that success was coming to me. I wasn't having to struggle to find 
and do the things I really wanted to do and get the results I really wanted to get. It was like people were coming into my life unexpectedly or situations, new things were happening unexpectedly, or I was coming up with new ideas. And everything that happened, it all seemed to fit in. It all seemed to work. My life took on this flow, if you like, that certainly involved a lot of effort. I mean, it still does. I'm not trying to sound like it's in the past. This is in the present as well. It certainly involved a lot of effort, but it was effort and not struggle. And there's a really big difference. So what got me onto thinking about the brain was trying to figure out what is the difference? What is the difference between my old life and what am I doing differently? Because whatever it is, I want to make sure I keep doing it. And what I realized I'd missed was the fact that we are at, we actually are biological beings. You know, I've been studying all about the mind and the brain and the um, you know our beliefs and thoughts and all of those sort of you know psychological or spiritual or emotional or whatever you want to call it non physical things. But I'd forgotten or hadn't realized that we have a biological purpose as well, and we are more than anything dictated to by laws of biology. We live in a physical world. And just like there are laws about gravity or, um, you know, in other words, you know that if you walk off a building, you're going to fall down to the ground. You're not going to go up. That's a law. That's a law of physics. That's a law of nature. There's actually a law about you and success, and it's what I call the law of thriving. And that is every biological organism, creature, every biological thing, including us, is designed biologically to be the best that it can be. Because by being the best that it can be, it has the greatest chance for survival. And that's our biological purpose, is to survive. So every living thing is constantly trying to be the best that it can be to give it the greatest chance for survival. And that includes us, and of course, being the best that we can be to give us the greatest chance for survival doesn't just mean being healthy, and physically free of, of disease or whatever. It also means being our happiest. It means being our mentally, spiritually, and emotionally the best that we are. So it turns out that's our biological purpose. And I, I, I didn't really realize this, that we have a, but it makes total sense. Our biological purpose is to be the best that we can be so we have the greatest chance for survival. And we've been given a machine because, again, I thought when I realized this, well, what has nature given us to enable this to happen? We must have been, been, there must be a way for this to happen if this is what we're supposed to do, the way we're supposed to be. And I realized, yes, nature has given all living things a tool, a mechanism, a machine to ensure that it is the best that it can be, and that is a brain. And I, thought, and I suddenly realized that I, hadn't, I didn't know much about how the brain worked. If, this, if we've all been given this machine, not only to make sure we survive, but to be the best that we can be, which enhances our, our chance of survival, um, then I need to figure out how it works. Because what I realized too was, the more I got into studying the brain, the brain is a machine. It's got lots of different, it's incredibly complex and it's incredibly powerful, but it is a machine and like all machines, it's designed to do one thing. You know, if you think about your motor car, what's a motor car? It's just a machine. With a, with a job to do. And that job is to get you from where you are to where you want to go. And it does it predictably, in a guaranteed way, efficiently, and it will also do it in an enjoyable way for you if 
you drive it right. But if you don't drive it right, what happens? If you don't know how to drive it, or if you drive it in the wrong way, you get problems. You get a bumpy ride. It's not enjoyable. It might not even get you to where you want to go, and it might even blow up. <laughs> so you're going to end up with problems. And it's the same with the brain. The brain is a machine designed for one purpose, to make sure that you're the best that you can be. And if you're not the best that you can be, if you're struggling, if you've got stress, if you've got problems, if things aren't going well, it can only be one reason, and that is you're not using this machine the right way. And that's what I realized I was doing without knowing it before I was using the machine the wrong way. That was why I was struggling so much. And uh, later I realized, and I sort of back engineered this, if you like, I was using my brain in quite a different way, and that's why it was giving me the results it's designed to do living a life being the best that I could be and enjoying it, enjoying every moment of it. That's 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 it. So that's how I really got into more and more studying and, and most of my time now is spent teaching people and researching and learning more about how this and applying this knowledge, how this brain machine works. And it, it is absolutely fascinating because I think so many people have missed this, that it's just a machine, use it the right way, you will get the results. That's it. Amen. Thank you so much. I love your answer. And it's a big reason why I named this podcast Organic Matrix. Like respecting them. Yeah. Like we're in this psychic matrix because the world is painted in our eyes because we narrated it as man. Like that was one of our gifts early on. We were able to name things and really paint the way that we view our reality, especially with how civilization developed. But as our minds developed, somehow we built a bridge between our primitive instincts that brought us here and getting back to being connected to the vessel and remembering that we're an organic being like sometimes i feel like people treat their pets better than they treat their own routines and their own health because we wouldn't imagine not giving our dogs exercise we wouldn't imagine skipping our dog's meals. Um, but that's ironically what we do for ourselves and even with our children. Um, and so that's why I love that you're bringing the fundamentals back. And I also love that you brought up the laws, laws to thrive, because there's these teachings, the Tao and um, a- Asian like philosophy and it's the law of nature. Mm. And just like you said, the machine's going to work the way you treat it. Like, we function at that law in a cellular level. Like if our DNA doesn't have the right ions, they're considered free radical, then we need antioxidants to supply us on a cellular level in order to function properly. And like our our energy in our bodies is made from our mitochondria, like one aspect of a cell. And if we don't have the right ATP to feed that mitochondria, like the right energy to feed it, then we will feel fatigued. So it's true. Like if we're not consciously living with our organic beings ourselves, it's impossible for us to have gratitude for the right things that happen in our lives and for so yeah. many reasons. And I'm glad that we get to elaborate that on that today. Absolutely. Yeah. What inspired you to start your podcast using your brain for success? Well, really, um, my podcast, <coughs> excuse me, most of it is about is actually me talking (laughs) and it's explaining how who we really are on a biological level 
how we fit in biologically, how, how our brain is, how it works, what its purpose is, and how to use it the right way. So it was very much, a, I use it as a vehicle to communicate my what I've discovered about how the brain works, and also what I've seen, how, how to apply it, how to use this information in your own life. You know, you mentioned the thing about most people know, know more about feeding their pets than themselves, and they're looking after their pet. Most people know more about how to drive their car than they do how to drive their life, how to drive their brain. And it's we've never been taught this stuff. You know, we've been taught that you have to put in all this effort and struggle and life is hard and you are weak and pathetic and, you know, life is dangerous. And if you want to get anywhere, you have to really struggle. But that's not in harmony. That's not true of any other living thing in nature. If you really look at nature, there is no struggle. There's no stress. There's life and death and growth and decay and all those things. But everything is perfect and every other living thing is living its biological purpose, being the best that it can be. In fact, someone once said, nature has a 98% success rate. If you look in nature, only 2% of what's alive, we would call failing. You know, so And it's things like a storm might come along and wash away some trees or a tree might be planted in the wrong place and it falls over or there's a, a drought and there's not enough food for some animals in a certain area. But that's such a small minority. Most of nature has what it needs and uses it effortlessly to get to be the best that it can be. But somehow we've got it around the wrong way and we're the humans are 98% unsuccessful. There's only 2% of people who are actually happy, who are successful, who are living their, to their full potential, who are being the best that they can be. Who, and one way of saying that is they're excited and passionate about their life. They're positive. They're not caught up in negativity. So we are doing something something very wrong and it I think we've just never been taught who we are what this how we operate biologically and how to get the results and, and be the sort of person be the best that we can be absolutely it's a bit ironic isn't it that we've never been we've never thought about what's most important to learn and that is about yourself and how you operate how you really operate yeah absolutely and and what makes it really difficult is all of these mixed messages we get when we were children about what yeah. life should be like. And We've been bombarded since the day we were born with wrong information about who we are and how we get anything in our life. And of course, without sounding like a conspiracy theorist, there's, there's, a, there's a reason for this because, you know, talking about brain science, the best, the most highly paid neuroscientists on the planet who understand the brain and understand how human behavior is is um, is determined by how the brain is used the most highly paid neuroscientists work for corporations and governments mm. and they they know how to direct if you like human behavior because they want people to behave in a certain way they want them to buy their product or buy their philosophy or their their political views whatever it is so of course you know, it's very advanced, this knowledge of how to use the brain and how to use it the wrong way, because when you use the bro your brain the wrong way, you are very open to being controlled, if you like, by, by the directions of others and not being the best that you can be. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And when you, I'm glad you mentioned that because I immediately thought about how strange the system is. I recently listened to a podcast with Jay Shetty and uh, Dr. Amin. 
Amen. He's a, um, a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist. And he's one of a few psychiatrists that actually scan the human brain to see how our symptoms and behaviors correlate with the physical structure of the brain. And when he first started doing these brain scans, he had a bunch of other psychiatrists who were shaming his practices. They said, oh, we're supposed to gather symptoms and make an inference. And Dr. Amen said, why wouldn't we want to quantify it? So eventually his practice, like he started finding out new things about addiction and sugar and like the effects of what we put into our bodies on our psychiatric mind. And he got investigated by um, the health organization. He almost got shut down. Like he almost got in a lot of trouble just because he was investigating why people are so depressed. Like, like you said, why are we in such a state of thriving yet? we're all suffering. Like we're going through another depression, but we are not sure we're talking about mental health now. But Dr. Amen also said, are we having the right conversation? And that's why I like what direction you're going in so far. It's like getting grounded. Like we started off young, pursuing self-actualization, not acknowledging that there's physiological needs, nutritional needs, home and safety needs, uh, like c- community needs. Yeah, that, that's, I'm, I'm glad we mentioned that here because I just, something's off when a doctor tries to do right by their patients and that they almost get their practice shut down. Yeah, well, of course, um, you know, many people would say that uh, everything's upside down in the world at the moment. And it, the funny thing is, when you use your brain the right way, you don't see it like that. But that mm-hmm. might be a bit of a stretch to share with people um, before they before they understand how their brain actually works. But when you use your brain the right way, what you actually see in the world is the truth. And the truth is we live in a perfect world. And mm-hmm. I know it's hard to hard to accept, but there are actually no problems in this world. It's a really controversial thing to say, and most people won't agree with it because And the reason they won't agree with it is because of their perception. And what controls their perception is their brain. But once you use your brain the right way, you shift your perception and you see the truth. You don't see things better than they are or worse than they are. You see things for what they are. And the truth is we do live in a perfect universe, in a perfect world. You look all around you. Everything happens perfectly. So... This is why it's so important, why it's my mission and undoubtedly yours as well, is to share with people how to use this machinery the right way rather than struggling, rather than trying to figure it all out and rather than try and battle try and battle against what you see as being the problems. It's not out there. It's in here. This is where it all happens. All science tells you this. All of your perception is not, not based on what you think is out there. It makes it appears that it's out there. That's what, but it's all being created inside your inside your brain and if you shift your perception and it's not that difficult you will see things differently and that's the way we're supposed to be we're supposed to be seeing things for for what they are we're not supposed to be in, and what we're supposed to see is that life is a great adventure we're here we've decided to come here or however you want to whatever your beliefs are about why we're here biologically 
we're here to have a great time, to enjoy it, to thrive, to be the best that we can be. Like we're in an environment where that that's what that's the ground rules. That's how it works. So we're not here to struggle. And we've been given a machine that used the right way will make sure that we do what we're supposed to do biologically, be the best that we can be. I love it. I love it. I feel like you're bringing clarity to <laughs> a, a lot of preconceived concepts that we inherited with no choice. And I'm glad. I hope this yeah. is the key that lets a lot of our listeners free. Mm. Can you tell us what yeah. is neurostate rebalancing at NSR? Well, neurostate rebalancing is a process that I've developed. As the name suggest, suggests, it's about rebalancing your brain because your brain actually has four parts to it. And when they're out of balance, when you're not using those parts the way they're designed to be used, <clears throat> that's when you come up with problems in your life. That's when you create stress. Or should I say it's when your brain creates problems in your life. Your brain creates stress because it's misinterpreting what your life's about. And it, it, you're just using essentially the wrong part of your brain to try and do the wrong job. So what neurostate rebalancing does is it moves your brain back into balance. <clears throat> so you can start to see the truth and you can start to take control, if you like, of your own life and get the results you really want using the power of your brain, allowing your brain to bring you what you need and to get you to do what you need to do to be the best version of yourself, to be the best that you can be, which fortunately means also being really happy. So that's what neurostate rebalancing does. So how does how does the treatment look like? Is it is this a healing method that happens in a span of a couple of weeks, years? Can you tell me more about the practice? It's really a very simple process. I have a coaching program in which I I introduce this, but the, really there are three levels to uh, to understanding how to use your brain, <clears throat> and neurostate rebalancing is really just one of those processes. Um, so, and it's a process that you can pretty much use once, <clears throat> or if you've got a problem or something you're dealing with, you would use this process. It's a step-in-step process, and uh, it will automatically rebalance your brain. But you need to do a few other things. And the most important, besides that, the most important thing you need to do is you need to understand how your brain works, because it's a bit like a car. You know, you can, <clears throat> you can learn how to. You, you need to learn how to drive it the right way by understanding what all the levers and buttons do in a car. And it doesn't, the great thing is, it's probably simpler to drive your brain than it is to drive your car. But you need to understand how it works. And what I've really taken, broken down into a non scientific description, a non scientific model, a simple model that people can understand. In fact, I can share it with with you and your listeners now, if you like, but it's a simpler model of how your brain works, how the four parts of your brain work, what they're designed to do. And once you understand that, that is actually 90% of the battle in terms of using it the right way. I mean, imagine if someone came along to you <clears throat> and said, here's a motor car, and you'd never seen a car before, and they just said, this is a really great machine, and it'll get you, take you anywhere you want to go, off you go. And you didn't know anything about how to drive it. You'd say, ah, oh, well, I wonder how that works. Ah, well, I know. And you'd say, I've got it. It's got four wheels. So what I need to do is I need to get up from behind and I need to push it to where I want to go. 
So you get in behind the car and you put in all of this enormous effort and it hardly moves. And it's this real struggle for you. And you think, oh, it's not doing very well and I'm really getting tired. Then you'd think, I know the problem. I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not motivated enough. I'm not determined enough. I need to put, to put in more effort. And then the person comes along and says, what are you doing? And you, and you say, well, I'm driving the car. Isn't this the way you do it? Everybody else seems to be doing it this way as well. And then say, no, no, you just need to understand how to use it. And when you understand how to use it, you go, why did I ever think of using it any other way? Why did I have this crazy idea of getting out behind and putting all that struggle and effort when all I needed to do was learn what the, the few levers are, give it a bit of practice, get in and enjoy the ride and just do it that way. And any other way that struggle, stress, problems is the wrong way to do it. So really, this is the most important thing. It's, as I say, it's the same with the brain. Once you understand how it works, you automatically say, Why have I, I can see how to use it now. I can see what I've been doing wrong. It's so obvious. Why on earth haven't I ever heard this before? <laughs> so that's really even more more than the, the neurostate rebalancing is a process that helps you once you understand that you're doing it 90% right. There's still a few things. It's a bit like um, <clears throat> once you've got the car running right, if you've been using it the wrong way all your life, for another example, and you're using it the right way, you've still got to deal with all of the, the gunge that you've put in the engine by putting in the wrong fuel. So that's what neurostate rebalancing does. Once you're using it, the, the machine the right way, neurostate rebalancing cleans out all of the gunge. It reconditions the engine of your brain, if you like, um, to get it working really efficiently. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying. It's just giving me so many... It's connecting so many dots for me. Like, you, you know, when, when some you have a good conversation with someone and like all of these different concepts that you had in your mind, like start connecting. Like that's yeah. what's happening for me. Like I'm totally experiencing a neural synapsis with a lot of things. Like for example, recent studies with Alzheimer's uh, found out that Alzheimer's is a type of autoimmune disease. And mm. it's happens when like plaque is developed in the brain it acts kind of like a scar tissue like if you were to get trauma on your shoulder and you lose range of motion because of scar tissue similar to the brain and it's often starts off as like brain trauma like a lot of people with brain trauma end up getting alzheimer's because now your brain's immune system is working on repairing and of course plaque happens and so like you said with the gas in the car where you're like oh well, I was giving the car the wrong gas now I have to clean up the gunk mm. I see that analogy with the brain and how Alzheimer's is developed so I love this conversation I'm very happy that we're that we're doing this episode right now because even what you said made sense to me because in the past I struggled in like talk in a toxic relationship I'm sure many people did and I pray for everybody who is experiencing an unhealthy relationship to find the strength and find a message that tells you it's time to get out. And so I'm going to take this opportunity to say that what I got from what you were telling me about the different parts of the brain is like when things are hard and disharmonious, it's time to make a change. Something isn't right. And I feel like when we feel that resistance, our bodies are telling us this isn't our evolutionary design. And so that's where I feel like where people, like instead of forcing things to happen in life, 
if it's so hard and stressful, sometimes it's time to let go. And, and that will, your, your pain will be released with that decision. So if you learn the, the brain the right way, you'll know that every bad feeling you have means a boundary has been crossed at some point in your timeline, would you say? Well, I think maybe I could answer that question <clears throat> by giving a little bit of a, an explanation of the model of, of the brain and how it works and the role of pain in your life and stress and unpleasant, you know, you mentioned toxic relationships because what keeps somebody, you know, I do a lot of marriage and relationship coaching. I think you might have mentioned that in your introduction, but, and I, I work a lot with people who are in toxic relationships <clears throat> You know, the only thing that's keeping them there is fear. And yet, if you were to say to somebody in a toxic, who's in a toxic relationship, why don't you leave? They would say, I can't. And if you say, why not? Everything they would say to you would be based on their fear. They would say, well, I might, you know, never find someone else's good, or I've been together so long, or I'll feel a failure, or I won't know where to live, or, be on, or I'll be on my own for the rest of my life, or my children will be harmed by seeing their parents split up. So every single thing that keeps somebody in a toxic relationship is based on fear. And the funny thing is, it's not actually <clears throat> what's happening in their life that's keeping them stuck. It's the way their brain is interpreting it that's keeping them stuck. And it comes down to the way the brain works. And maybe I can give you a mini lesson on how your brain actually works, because it is actually quite simple. In fact, it's so simple that one of the greatest six greatest manual instruction manuals on how to use your brain is is in the bible and in fact in all religious and spiritual teaching they are all an instruction manual on how to use your brain and it's really simple it's just nobody does it because they don't understand how it works so essentially what the way the model i've created and this is based on science and i'm sure you can you know as i go through you'll think of some of the scientific words and descriptions for what I'm saying, but this is a, a simple way to understand it. And essentially you've got four parts to your brain, and these are all four separate physical parts. It's not four ideas, it's four functions. These take place in separate parts of your brain. And the first part is what I call the thinking brain. And the thinking brain is, is where you think from. But what the thinking brain actually is, it's a library or a database of all of your experience and knowledge that you, you've accumulated in your life. So everything that you've you've seen, you know, tasted, touched, smelt, heard, and all ideas, they get stored in this thinking brain. It's, it's a big, big library of all your knowledge, that your own personal knowledge. The second part of your brain is your feeling brain, your emotional brain, and this is responsible for how you feel. It creates hormones or neurotransmitters or chemicals that affect the way you feel. The third part of your brain is your survival brain, and this is actually in the back of the head. And this manages everything to do with your moment-by-moment -moment survival, things you don't have to think about or worry about. So this is obviously things like your breathing, your heart rate, you know, all your bodily functions. This is managed automatically by your survival brain. The survival brain is there to make sure you survive. And there's another important function that takes place in the survival, survival brain, and that is, you see, the way you're supposed to live, <clears throat> as I mentioned earlier, you're supposed to live in this happy, excited state where you're being the best that you can be. Everything's flowing, everything's going really well in your life. You're doing really well, you're thriving. That's the way you're supposed to live. But very occasionally, you might be living your life and something comes along that could be a danger to your survival. 
an immediate threat to your survival. So if you think back to prehistoric times, you know, you're walking through the forest in the tribe and a lion runs out from behind a rock. Now, what happens then? So that's an immediate threat to your survival. And the brain has developed in the survival part of the brain a very specific function to deal with that. And it's called, we've often called it the fight, flight, freeze response. But what your brain actually does is activates something. So your brain is going along, it's actually your emotional brain all of the time, looking out and, and making a decision. Is this environment that I'm in, what the thinking brain is, the information that it's bringing in, is this information telling me that I am safe or there is a danger, there's a threat to my survival? And when it's safe, your emotional brain sends out good chemicals that make you feel good, that keep you being the best that you can be. But if it recognizes a danger, it sends out chemicals that make you feel afraid, stressed, worried, anxious. And when it does that, it activates this fight, flight, freeze part of your brain through something called the sympathetic nervous system. And what that does, it puts you in this very, very reactive state. So what do you do when the line comes along? You run away or you shout for help or you stand to fight or whatever it is, it's a reaction. And it's a reaction based on fear. And it's supposed to be like that. You're supposed to deal with that immediate threat or danger when it comes along. And then your emotional brain says, everything's fine again. The lion's, you, the lion's not there anymore. Go back to being happy. Go back to being the best that you can be. So that's all contained in your survival brain. But there's a fourth part to the brain, which is not your thinking, not your feeling, and not your surviving brain. And it's what I call the creative brain. And this has only been more recently discovered by scientists. It's been operating in a separate part of your brain, or a couple of places, actually. But what the creative brain does, this is the part that's responsible for managing your life, because this is the part that, as the name suggests, is where you get your creativity from. It's where you get these great ideas. It's where you're inspired. It's where you feel passionate about what you're doing and you feel like you're doing the right things. It's where you get those gut feelings. I should do that or I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't do that. It doesn't feel right. We say it doesn't feel right, but it's actually what's happening in our creative brain. This is all managing and trying to make sure that we make the best decisions. And if we trust, if we use this part of the brain, we always make the right decisions in our life and we stop making the wrong decisions, which I, I used to do a lot of. Um, but this is, and the other thing about the creative brain, remember our brain is so enormously powerful, it's virtually infinitely powerful, it has the power of 500 trillion computer microprocessors, because it's designed to make, give you a life and manage your life for you to be the best that you can be. So it also manages and is responsible for things that on a low state of awareness, you might call luck, you might call coincidence or synchronicity. And you say, well, how did that happen? Oh, that must be just a fluke. There's no flukes in this. There's, there's no chance events in this universe. This is all controlled by our creative brain. But So this is the way you're supposed to live. But what happens is that when you feel fear, if something comes along in your life, doesn't matter what it is, your brain is actually telling you it's a threat to your survival. If you feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety, it's a signal from your brain, you're faced with a threat, a danger, to your life, and you need to go into this survival state. And what happens in survival state? Well, if a lion's coming towards you, is appreciation, gratitude, big picture thinking, awareness, seeing the beauty of the world, coming up with great ideas, is that of any help to you? No, you can't do that. You have to block all that off. 
And not only do you have to block it off, but your brain takes all of the energy that you would otherwise use for that and redirects it to deal with getting rid of this lion because you're going to need every ounce, you might need every ounce of energy you've got to fight the lion. So what your brain actually does is it takes you from your natural state and puts you in this very limited, very focused and reactive state to deal with a danger. And that's perfect when you've got a real danger. But what's the problem for most people? They live most of the time in a state of fear, anxiety, stress, and worry. And what they don't realize is that in that state, they're blocking their creative brain. And everything that is there to show you what your goals should be, show you what you need to do in your life, show you how to solve your problems, make sure you don't create problems, make sure you have the awareness of, of the truth of really what's going on in your life so that you make the right decisions and you do the right things. You don't have access to any of those resources. And people are struggling trying to solve problems, trying to figure it out, trying to work out on what they should do, worried about they don't have enough information, all because they're using the survival part of the brain, which can't deal with any of that. It's just a reactive, limited part designed to get rid of a lion that's about to eat you. That's it. It's not designed to solve your problems. It can't. In fact, all it can do is create more problems for you because this part of your brain. Imagine a lion is coming at you. What is your brain saying? Where is the danger? Is one lion there? Is there another lion? What's that noise in the grass? This part of your brain, when it's activated, is designed to eliminate all of the dangers from your life. And it's so that's all its focus is on. And this is why when we're in this state, we see things as worse than we are, than they are. We can only see the negative because that's all our brain is designed to allow us to do in that state. Is because it has to deal with the problems. It has to eliminate the danger. So all of this shows that when you're using the brain the wrong way, what the, the only thing you're doing wrong is you're activating this part of your brain. And the, the way you're doing that is you're activating fear. So the And when people realize this, they, the obvious thing is, I, I'm, I've got to stop activating that part of my brain. I've got to allow my creative brain to do the job and bring me all the right circumstances and get me motivated to do the right things, which it will, to create my perfect life. I can't do it when I'm in a state of fear. And people say, well, you have to be realistic. You know, you don't understand my problems. <laughs> I can't just give up fear, but the truth is you can. Because when you realize that fear is the enemy, fear is like putting hydrochloric acid in the fuel tank of your car doesn't matter how justified you are. doesn't matter how um, motivated you are or how, how much you pray or how much you have positive thinking. If you put the wrong fuel in, it's going to damage the car. And if you put fear into your brain, it's going to damage your life because it's, it's, it's the wrong fuel for creating your life. It's not, not the energy that it just doesn't work on a physical, biological level. You're using your brain the wrong way for the wrong job. And I mentioned the Bible, if I could just say, the Bible says this exactly, and other religions as well, because what does the Bible say how to live your life? It says more than 360 times, someone's counted, be not afraid. Those three words, be not afraid. Now, it doesn't say try not to be afraid, don't be so worried, you know, things will be all right. Don't. It's an instruction because it's saying to you when you are afraid, you're using the brain the wrong way unless there's a lion about to eat you. That's the only purpose of feeling fear. That's the only reason it exists. 
So you've got to do everything you can and you have the choice. Everybody has the choice as to what they're going to allow into their life, that whether it makes them feel good or bad. Do I talk to that person? Do I turn that television news channel on? Do, do I have anything, you know, do I associate with that, those people? Do I have the job that I hate? Anything that makes you feel bad, you've got the choice to cut out of your life. And sometimes it may be difficult, but when you realize this, what's at stake, when you realize how it works, it, it somehow isn't quite so difficult a, a, a task to take on. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you brought the Bible because when you were speaking earlier, I thought about like three Bible stories. And like one of them is one of my favorite. And it's very similar to what you said, like, do not fear. And it's when Jesus was saying, why are you guys panicking over food, resources, and shelter? The birds always have shelter. Nature and the animals always are fed. If God could feed the birds, why don't you think God will feed you? And it's from Matthew. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, um, do not worry about your shall, what you shall eat, drink, or wear. It'll all be provided for you. And it's provided for you like it's provided for all of nature by being in your natural creative state, not being in a fear, reactive to danger state. That's only there when something really threatening comes along. It's a, and, the, and of course, the Bible also says, <clears throat> give no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. You'll be fine. Again, this isn't a, a general nice idea. This is an instruction. And if people realize it was an instruction, and you can only realize that when you understand this is how your brain works. This is, it's like any other machine. It's just not going to work properly if you don't use it the right way. And whether you like it or not, this is the way it works. You know, you could say, well, I'd rather, you know, maybe with a car, well, I don't want to learn to drive it properly. But if someone comes along and says, no, you need leather seats. That's how you make the car experience better. Or you need air conditioning. Or you need yeah. a better stereo. Oh, okay, I'll get all of those. That, you don't need any of that. You just need to learn how to drive it the right, the right way. And unfortunately, we've been fed so many of the wrong ideas about you need to work on this and you need to struggle and you need to figure this out and you need to learn this technique. You don't. You just need to control which state you're going to be in. Are you in a state of faith, trust, belief, which is actually a lot easier, or the only way you can be in that state is when you understand. You know, you don't have faith and hope and belief that when you're driving along the road, all the cars coming the other way are going to stay out of your way. They're going to stay on their side of the road. You just know that's the way it works. You don't have to worry about it. When you get in your car, you don't have, you don't get out every five seconds and check that the motor's still running. You know, that's just, it's going to do its job. So it's not really faith and trust. It's understanding that that's how it works. And when you do that, you think, well, that's when the magic happens. And it's the magic that we've all been promised is the way we're supposed to live our life, as you say, in the Bible. That's why, it, you know, God didn't create us to struggle. We're here to have fun. Yeah, like the... My sister told me in elementary school, I don't even know how she learned this. She said the Bible uh, stands for book of book of instructions before leaving earth. And I was like, Ah, oh, okay. The, you know, you don't need to believe in the Bible. But if you think understand it biologically, it's exactly the same thing. I love that we bring it into these multiple dimensions because spirituality and religion 
I, I feel like people are just too critical where they just don't want to accept the gifts it has to offer because we don't have to be religious or indoctrinated in a particular belief to take the parables and the knowledge and the perspectives from these spiritual texts. For example, the the principles that you were mentioning earlier from the Bible is like parallel to what we find out about our neurology, about our physiology. Like, for example, what's not kosher, like the things that are not kosher are actually the things that cause the most disease in science. It's very ironic that they knew they had instruction not to eat those things. Um, So I, I love bringing it into multiple perspectives because we're all trying to describe something we all share. And if we could look at it like that, we could see more in common than what's different. And I I feel like that also highlights a lot of what you're bringing to the table today. And, you know, seeing the cup half empty or half full, because life, you can see problems or you can see opportunity. And if you're in a state of creativity, you know that if it's cold, you can learn how to create a garden. But if you're in a state of panic, you're just going to freeze and complain about freezing. So I love I love that. And I feel like it clears it up. It kind of like Moses splits the sea a little bit. It's like, do the next best thing. Is this meal going to be the best thing? You know, can it be better? Like our choices? Like, can, can we pick better food? Like if we eat a burger, can we look at it and say, is this going to be good for my brain? You don't, you don't need to try with this stuff because the part of your brain, the creative part of your brain, is not your thinking brain. So... And a very, you know, it's like I sometimes say to people, particularly like in their marriage, when you met your husband or your wife, whenever it was, the day before, had you sat down and written down tomorrow at 9 a.m., I'm going to meet this person and I have a picture of what they look like. And, <clears throat> you know, they're going to have all this, these physical characteristics and this is what they're going to think and this is what we're going to say. That's not how it works. They just show up and you meet this person and you go, oh, I really, I think I'm in love with that person. I think I'm going to marry them. So where did that come from? It didn't come from your thinking brain. It didn't come from you trying to figure it out. It came from somewhere else. And what we need to realize is that somewhere else is our creative brain that knows more about what we need to be happy and how to get it for us than we, using our thinking brain, will ever figure out. And the only reason we would try and figure something out is because we would be we were afraid that that creative part of our brain couldn't do it, which mean, means we don't understand how that works. So the really beautiful part about this is once you start using your creative brain properly, you don't worry about what's going to show up in your life, but everything that shows up in your life, you see is the right thing, and you act on it accordingly and appropriately. It's not about struggle. And I think so, so much of the time people think, well, I need to learn something new or I need to overcome. You don't need to do any of that. You need to let go. This is what letting go actually is. Letting go is going from using your fear-based brain to activating your creative brain and letting it do its job. You know, you don't, as I mentioned with the car, you let go and allow the car to, you do, you play your part. You keep an eye out on what's happening and you do the, the right pedals and buttons, and whatever, and you steer it. But you don't worry about it. You don't, you don't try and you don't do that. You, you allow the machine to do its job to, to get you to where you want to go. And that, and I think so much of people's struggle, if you like, is, a, is based on fear. And they keep thinking, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? What do I need to learn? 
You don't need to know any of that stuff. All you need to know is, what do I need to do right now? And you don't even need to know what, you need to ask yourself that question. You just, when you really let go, when you really trust, you do the right thing. The right things happen. And you just play your role in enjoying and, and, and actioning those things. You know, we mentioned the laws of nature. <clears throat> One of the other laws, which we've all forgotten about, is the law of least resistance. The less resistance, the faster you go. You know, if you ride a bicycle into the wind, or you're going to go a lot slower, and it's going to be a lot harder than if you ride the bicycle with the wind. So nature works on lack of resistance. When you resist what is, when you when you struggle against what is, all you do is you slow things down, take it in the wrong, and you, it's unnatural. So we need to learn this as well. When you but you, when you use your creative brain, you get in the flow or in the zone. You know, some religion sometimes calls it enlightenment. You see what to do. You see, you allow things to happen, and you're just a part of what's happening, and it's all good. So I think there's such a fundamental thing. People think it's difficult, or but the Bible. You know, it, it it said this isn't. It didn't say it was difficult. Just said, don't be afraid, and don't worry about tomorrow, and just be grateful for what you have, and good things will show up. It's. I mean, that's not difficult, really, on the face of it, <laughs> is it? I think what makes anything difficult is, like you said, like our own resistance and um, our letting go. And it's so interesting how we're so resistant to change, but a lot of us don't want to be where we're at. So change has to happen. It's very ironic. And I think a big part of it is, have you ever heard about the experiment called Rattopia? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think you would find it very interesting. Uh, so the, the idea is they did a study with rats and they created a little town, like so to speak, where they had unlimited resources. They had entertainment. They had their own little apartment houses. They were free to reproduce as much as they wanted. They had no natural predators. And for a while, the rat civilization was thriving. What they found, what was very interesting was because they had no threat, no predator, and they lived in a perfect world, the Rattopia, they started fighting each other and causing problems started like fighting over resources they started becoming territorial they noticed that the the rats because they're so understimulated that they started creating problems within their own perfect community and it ended up becoming mayhem uh, the ratopia ended up being a rat rapture and it didn't it didn't end up well so in i think that translates to how we live in a society full of resources and opportunity and I think that we're so understimulated because we never have to run away from tigers and because we're not really challenged from our environment besides psychically, like with finances and status, that's all psychic. That's all in our matrix, what we created. But our, our bodies pretty much have what they need. And I think that's why we kind of create these problems because I notice like what you're saying is 100%, but a big part comes in with discipline, motivation. And what I find interesting is that it's a conundrum to me that self-sabotage is addictive and how it's really hard to break these habits that keep us stuck in positions that we're not thriving. And it's weird how people get some kind of attachment. I don't know if it's a pleasure or a habit that they have to unlearn. Like for example, 
I always think about people close to me in my life that went through a lot of trauma in their childhood. And now that they're adults, it's like, if they don't have any problems in their life, then they're criticizing something else in an extreme way, like with the same passion. Like, for example, I'm going to name this person like Jane. Like I have a friend named Jane that would investigate their family's lives and then overreact about what's happening in their family member's life. Like if it's happening to them and then they'll come over, investigate, overreact and kind of make matters hotter for the person going through the problem. But they seriously think that they're helping. And what I notice is that no matter what help these people get, they kind of search for the same stress. And I'm like bringing this up because I would love for you to clear out or explain to me like why it seems like these people If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Get stuck in these hamster wheel-like thoughts. How can they get out of it? I think what people need to realize, remember I mentioned the fear-based brain is focused on problems. And it sees things from a very limited perspective. It only sees it from a narrow negative perspective. So the underlying problem... When people are feeling creating problems in their life, it's all because of an underlying fear. So, and they've developed this fear through their experience, if you like, and through a lack of understanding of how to change it. But the fear is at the bottom of everything because when you're in this fear state, and I, I don't mean feeling terrified and all that, because when, if you're feeling stress and anxiety and worry, those are all manifestations of an underlying fear. It's not a panic, but it is still a fear. But when you're in that state, you are going to keep doing more of the things that create more problems because, remember, that part of your brain, if it can't find a problem, it has to create them because that's what it's there for. It's there to solve problems. So I honestly believe that the cause of all problems, the cause of all people's own own self-sabotage, it's not their fault. They don't realize it, but they're using the wrong part of their brain. If they were able to let go and realize that feeling good Letting go of all of that stuff that's happened in their life, stop stop bringing it up, stop trying to justify or analyze why it happened or how you can get over it or all of those sorts of things. Realize that's all a function of the survival brain. That's never going to solve the problem because when you get into your creative brain and say, I'm going to let all of that go, and you truly do, and you allow your creative brain to take control, for a start, you see the truth. You see the perspective, the true perspective on everything that's happened to you in your life. And instead of seeing those things as problems, you see, realize they're gifts. You know, when I lost everything, sure, I could have become really bitter and twisted and and spent the rest of my life um, trying to get over it and being bitter and, you know, blaming people for my situation. And nothing perfect about me, but whatever 
happened was I was able to see through that by using my brain a different way. And now I feel total gratitude for all of those things because that's why I'm here talking to you. That's how I learned about any of this stuff. That's how I can share it and do what I really love with my life. I would, I would still be on that hamster wheel of struggle and pushing and struggling. So I think we need to realize that all problems have it at their source a degree um, fear as their source, and that makes your brain it's a sign that you're using your brain the wrong way. So you can let go of all of that stuff. And one of the things that happens when you use your creative brain, you know, you mentioned that thing about the the rats. Now, I hadn't heard of that. But you know what my automatic reaction was when you were saying that was, and, you know, I don't <laughs> want to downplay anybody's experiment or they probably know far more than me. But from my perspective, what I saw was they've taken – rats out of their own natural environment and they've also misinterpreted what life is because life and death and whether you want to call it fighting or um or whatever that there's nothing imperfect about that there's nothing to be afraid of you know we're all people are all running around afraid of death and it's the most natural thing in the world so it's not natural to take rats and put them in a place where they don't have inter you know conflict or struggle or the ability to because we're all thinking that that's bad. We're all thinking, well, it's bad that rats fight, or if they do, I don't know, or if they die, that's bad. And yet, and a utopia is a life where none of that happens. That's not what it is at all. You know, your life, all life is not about everything being absolutely, you know, you're not experiencing pain or you're not experiencing the full dimension of everything to do with your life, including physical deformity or disease or, um, you know, traumatic, you know, bad experiences or whatever. It's not about that. It's about having the perspective to realize that that's all part of the perfection of your life. You rise above that. You see the perfection in everything. And then you can release it. Then you can feel good about it. You can say, well, can I just say, because everything that one person thinks is bad, another person can think is good. It's all about perspective. You know, if someone comes along to you and starts sawing your leg off, you might think, oh, that's terrible, that's a disaster. But if you knew that if they didn't saw your leg off, you'd die of gangrene, you wouldn't see it as a disaster. You'd see it as a, a gift, thank goodness for that. And so one thing one thing I say to people is, if you think you've got a problem, I can guarantee you there's somebody else in the world, at least one person, who is, is going through exactly the same thing, who doesn't see it as a problem, who sees it as a great gift. And... It's, so it's all about perspective. It's not about what happens to you. And it's not, this isn't some mind game, but it is a brain game because your brain can see the truth that there is no, you know, things happen, but they, do, but what they mean is all good when you, when the, that's the truth because we live in a perfect world. We live in a, an infinitely abundant world as biological beings. And you can be the best that you can be. Maybe your brain is trying to make you the best that you can be with the tools that you've got. So if you're born with one leg instead of two, your brain is still going to work to make you the best that you can be, including being your happiest. And that includes having the perspective that having one leg is not an impediment to you. In fact, you can use use that, quote, disability to do great things with. And we have examples all over the place of people who have so-called handicaps and use it to go on and great do great things. So it is all about perspective, and the perspective comes from how you use your brain. That's it. That's the short version. <laughs> I love your perspective on the experiment because when you say like that, it's true. Um, there's no 
utopia that doesn't have adversity and adversity isn't bad because it's the call to it's the call to adapt it's the call to evolution it's the call to growth and yeah I, I it's all perfect mm. uh so and, and part of the problem is we all think you know there's that expression <clears throat> we think we're physical beings having a spiritual experience when we're actually spiritual beings having a physical experience so when you really re- use your creative brain and you see the awareness, you realize that we we aren't just physical, but we are having a physical experience. But this is just an experience. This is like going to the circus or going to a fairground mm-hmm. and having an experience. You don't go in or going to a movie, you know. You go in and you feel all those emotions and it seems real, but, you know, it's just an experience. You're not – and you whether it's – good, bad, if you want to use those words, whatever happens, you go, well, that's just part of the experience. And that's what you're using your creative brain allows you to feel, uh, to see, I should say, which is the truth. And when you see that, you can release all of this tension and stress and all of those things that are blocking you, blocking that part of your brain from saying, right, get out of the way. What have I got here? What have I got in, in you, Sam? I've got this body of stuff. My job is to make that the best it can be, to give that body of knowledge or information or whatever you want to define your physical being, to give that the greatest experience it can have. That's the raw material. My job is to make it its best. And you can do that. That's the way we're supposed to be. Um, Can you let us know? I'm, I'm very curious for the secrets of the brain, and I'm sure that you gave us a couple of secrets in what you're telling us. What are the top three secrets of the brain that you find most interesting? Well, I, th- I think uh, top three. Well, I pretty well explained them or, or mentioned them already. One is the purpose of your brain, which is to make you the most biologically successful you can be, be the best you can be. That's one thing. I think the other thing is the four parts of your brain and that they each have a different function. And really the most important thing of all is that whatever you allow in that makes you feel fear, stress, worry, anxiety is activating a part of your brain that is is designed only to deal with an immediate threat to your survival. It can never create a great life for you. It's the wrong part. So your only job is is to control the input and then recondition the machine of the stuff that's already in there, as I mentioned earlier. But fear is the enemy. And it's, it's like someone comes along and says, here's a glass of hydrochloric acid. I'll give you a million dollars if you drink it. You go, no, I'm sorry. Why would I drink that? It's, that would damage me. I'm, and they say, well, no, you know, other people, it's a really good brand of hydrochloric acid and everyone else is talking about drinking it. And if you really believe and have faith and trust and say positive things and, and say, no, it's going to be good for me, it will be good for you. And you go, you say, I'm sorry, what planet are you from? You don't understand how we work, how our body works. I don't care how, what you think of it. It's going to, I know it's going to damage me. So you wouldn't touch it. Your grandmother comes along and begs you to drink it. You're not going to touch it. You say, sorry, granny, I know it's just not <laughs> how it works. And that's what fear is. And if people really understood that, it's not about justifying it or anything like that. It is the hydrochloric acid for your life for your, your brain machine, if you like. And it's, it's just going to make you do the wrong things. So you have to, and it can be done, and it's the basis of what I really share with people through my coaching, and I'm sure you, you do a lot of this stuff as well, is 
showing people that all of their fears are irrational, except for the li when a lion's about to eat them. That's the only time you should feel afraid, when something's about to kill you. That's it. The rest of it is all of what's going on in your head. And you're doing that because you're using the, using the wrong part of your brain. You're allowing the wrong stuff to come in. Simple as that. And as I say, that's what the Bible says. This isn't complicated stuff, is it? Really. It's, it's not about learning some new technique. It's about just saying, I know what the, the wrong stuff is and the right stuff. What's going to activate which part of my brain? Mm -hmm. That's why meditation is so important, right? Mindfulness, like not letting yourself. Yeah, that's, I think the real trick of it was if someone really finds this confusing, because I, I know that if this was, if I was listening to this three years ago, I would, I was all limbic. So I'd be like, what is the easiest and the quickest way to solve any problem in life? I was very fascinated that you were able to answer this question. And I, I can't wait Act to hear it. It's simple, just what I've been saying. Activate your creative brain, which you do mm -hmm. by blocking off fear. And when you activate your creative brain, the solution, the problem is going to be so obvious. And not only are you going to be obvious, but you'll find yourself that you actually do it. You know, a really good example, if I could just, and I'm probably running out of time, but I can give you an example of often people, we all have had this experience where maybe a friend or a family member has come to us and said about their marriage or their relationship, oh, it's not going very well. You know, my husband or my wife, we argue all the time and, and I, you know, we haven't had intimacy for, for years and, oh, it's just such a struggle. And you know what they should do. You can see very clearly, you say to them, get a divorce. You're in the wrong marriage. You've been struck. You're not right for each other. It used to be, but it's just not working out. Or if someone comes and says, I hate my job, you say to them, why don't you get another job? Now, you can see clearly what they should do, but they can't. And they justify to you why they're there. And they say, oh, no, I, I can make this work. And, I, you know, we, everybody knows that marriages are difficult and that jobs aren't perfect. And, I'm gonna, and I've spent so much time and effort. I just need to learn a new way and I just need to try harder and pray harder and it will work out. Now, they say all that because they're in that emotional state of fear and their brain literally can't see the answer. You can see it because you're not in that, that state of fear. So this is how you solve any problem is you get out of that fear state so that your brain firstly can see the answer. And then when it can see the answer, it's also going to get you to do it. And then you're going to turn around to, to your boss and say, I'm sorry, this isn't doing me any good, I'm leaving. But what stops you from leaving is fear, isn't it? Because you're worried about, oh, I won't find another job or, you know, I'll be a failure and all those things. Again, it's this fear thing. If you had no fear and if you knew your brain, um, what you would say in your creative state was, this job isn't working, the right one will come up, I need to get rid of this one. And that's what will happen. Just like your wife or husband appears out of the blue and you weren't expecting it, the right job, the right next relationship, the right thing that you should be doing. And you mentioned mindfulness. This is what mindfulness actually is, is letting go of fear. You're not thinking at all about the future. You're not wondering what's going to happen or what you should do. All that's based on fear, isn't it, when you think about it? But if you just let go and say, I'm just going to enjoy this moment, which is the gift that I've been given, which God has given us, he's, all he's given us is this moment, nothing else, because it's the only thing that exists anyway. So, and he's given us the tool to enjoy and experience this moment. So if you knew that, if you had no fear and you used your creative brain the right way, that's what you do. You don't set goals. You don't worry about the future. You don't try and figure stuff out. You deal with things right here and right now. You're fully present and loving every second of it.
because that's where you're supposed to be. That's where you're designed to be. Does that answer your question about how to solve problems? Absolutely. And I, I think it's perfect. I finally remember what I was going to say. And what I was going to say is if anybody feels stuck in their limbic system, like I did, like in that state of panic, I, I want to challenge you that to face your next problem, the next perceived problem that you face. I would like you to sit down, take a deep breath and ask yourself, how can I approach this creatively? And if you guys try that, I would love for you to tag Liam and I and let us know about your experience. That's a great idea. Can I mention a little bit of, I hope you don't mind mentioning this, but on my website, I've got, which is just my name, liamname.com, I've got a free gift there, which is an audio called Solve Your Problem. And it's what, what I call a neuro-rebalancing experience. And what this actually does, if you've got a problem, listen to this audio. It'll take you through a process which will move you from your fear-based brain and activate your creative brain. And when you do, then you'll see what to do about your problem. And you'll not only see what to do, but you'll start to find things happening that actually help you solve the problem once and for all. So it's the same sort of thing exactly. But rather than having to ask yourself, how can I think of this creatively? When you're in your creative brain state, you don't even need to ask that question. You, you will just come up with the right answers. Now, because trying to, again, trying to ask a question, trying to figure it out is using your thinking brain. And your thinking brain is just a library. If you ask your brain, what's the answer to this question? All it can tell you is what it already knows. But your creative brain has all knowledge which is where your solution lies. Your solution doesn't lie in what you already know. If it, if it was, you'd already be doing it. You would have already done it. It's somewhere else. You've got to access that, and your brain is designed to do that. But it's not your thinking brain, and it's not your fear-based brain. It's your creative brain. So you find you don't even ask questions, but answers come to you, the right, and you just act on it and do it and think it and, and do what you really should be doing, which is feeling a life of joy and gratitude for every moment rather than struggling and worrying. Thank you so much for, for bringing up that gift. I'm so happy that you brought up the audio that you're offering, and I'm definitely going to check that out. I'm very interested, and I love that I love that you brought that up for us. And I'm going to make sure to put the link to the audio in the description of this podcast. So if you guys want to try it and you want to check out uh, how to solve your problems, please do so in the description below and also tag us in a post telling us about your experience we would love to hear about how you're using these amazing lessons in your personal life so liam we are coming to our final three this is our rapid fire so these questions are a little more fun and random okay what does your thank you what does your morning routine look like uh well i don't really have a routine but i suppose i wake up get up feeling excited and grateful for, for my life, looking forward to what I might be doing. I don't do any planning ahead, really, but um, I go for a run usually, um, meditate, meditate and then go for a run and uh, see what shows up for the day from there. Have breakfast with my partner and, you know, we share share what we're about to do and what we what we like doing and share a few ideas and thoughts and try and feel as good as possible all the time. Well, not even try, but just a, a, you know, a mindful of feeling good, a mindful of what we're allowing into our thoughts. 
Is it activating my fear brain or is it activating my creative brain? That's really the only thing you need to do. And that's what I try and do. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, I don't think there is any one place, which is probably why I've never lived. I haven't lived anywhere for the, for the last decade or more. Um, I love New Zealand. I love Italy. I love Europe. Denmark, my partner's from Denmark. I love all of those places and I love spending time in all of them. I don't think living in one place is quite uh, what my creative brain has in mind for me <laughs> at the moment. But um, yeah, Italy, Denmark and New Zealand are my f three favourite places. I love Sicily. I've been to Sicily. I can't wait to see more of Italy. Wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. And I, lo I love the people, the weather, the mm. ocean, the food. I love everything. Mm. What occupation other than your own would you like to try? Do I have an occupation? I'm not sure. <laughs> Nothing um, comes to mind. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to be an explorer of other planets. Yes, that's a great answer. I love that one. That, that, that's the dream one day. Mm. Yeah, With, without a spacesuit. Liam, thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate what you shared with us today. And I can't wait to listen back on this episode and meditate on a lot of the tips and the secrets that you shared with us. Thanks, Sam. It's been a real pleasure connecting with you and um, talking to your audience as well. Thanks a lot for having me. Yes. To support Liam and his mission to provide quality content for those wanting to improve and optimizing their brain power, Follow him on social media and check out his podcast, Using Your Brain for Success and Growing in Love for Life. Liam also has a YouTube channel. Social media links and YouTube channel will be in the description below. Uh, <laughs> if you found value in our content, please tag us on social media with your insights. All feedback is welcome and helps us serve our fellow Matrix members. To stay up to date with our Matrix mentors and what we have in store for you, Bookmark our website and subscribe to your, our podcast and YouTube channel. It was great to have you with us on the Organic Matrix show, and we'll, like, we'll love to see you on the next download. Join me and our Matrix members on Podmatch and be a guest, and meet many like-minded, inspiring individuals. Stay safe, and we'll see you on the next download.